Did you know that our houseplants, which we keep indoors, actually can experience the seasonal changes that if you live in an area that experiences winter that goes through the four seasons, although it might be counterintuitive because our houseplants are kept inside, they are going to go through the four seasons alongside you, not to the same extent as the nature outdoors will obviously, but they will feel the changes, whether these tropical plants like it or not. Winter can be a real struggle for houseplants because you're dealing with a drop in temperature, lower light, forced heat that is going to dry your air out and make your plants miserable because our houseplants are tropical. They like humidity, right? But never fear, my plant friends, because I have lived with houseplants for seven winters. I have survived seven winters with thriving houseplants. And yes, I've made some mistakes along the way, but I've learned from them. And I'm here to give you five tips that are going to transform your relationship with your plants and your plants' happiness in the winter. Welcome to the Growing Joy podcast, where we not only learn how to care for plants successfully, but how to simply and affordably use our plant babies to cultivate more joy in our lives. I'm Maria, author of Growing Joy, The Plant Lover's Guide to Cultivating Happiness, speaker, podcaster, and most importantly, an epic plant killer turned happy plant lady. On Growing Joy, you'll find conversations about plant care, plant community, and wellness through the lens of plants. Hi, plant friends. Welcome. If you're new here, welcome. I'm Maria. I'm the host of Growing Joy with Plants, and I'm here to help you care for plants successfully and grow joy in your life while doing so. And if you're returning, welcome back, my plant friend. It's such an honor to be on your plant parenthood journey. And I'm so thankful that you choose to return to the show over and over again to learn. And learning we will do today, we have a great deep dive on winter plant care. Before we dive into that, I just wanted to say, as we're approaching the holidays, as we're approaching the winter when things start to slow down, I wanted to suggest my book, Growing Joy, The Plant Lover's Guide to Cultivating Happiness in Plants. It's a self-care book about plant care, how to use plants to grow more joy in your life, just like the title says. And I think it would make an amazing gift. And I think it would make an amazing read as you cozy up for the winter. So it's available where all books are sold. We'll link to it in the show notes. I want to dive right into today's episode because I know that this is a pain point for people, especially in your first year of plant parenthood. I kind of say you're not a plant parent until you've been through the four seasons, you know, uh, you might get your house plants in the spring or summer where they come back from the greenhouse happy. It's easier for them to acclimate. And then you're hit with your first winter. You have a few leaves drop and you're just like, what the heck? What the heck? I'm killing all my plants. No, you're not. You're not killing your plants. It's just winter. I also feel like as a plant killer turned plant lady, and now as someone who's made more than 200 episodes on this podcast for you to learn how to care for plants successfully, for some reason, winter plant care, I feel, is one of the most incorrectly talked about subjects on the internet. I've read so many bad tips in blogs about winter plant care tips, and not even bad tips, but they're kind of billed as these universal tips that don't necessarily apply to you. So I could see a beginner plant parent going to a blog, reading that you stop fertilizing in the winter, or you pull back your watering in the winter, I see them following those instructions and then accidentally doing harm to their plants because they didn't have that like zoomed out view of what's actually happening to their plants on a large basis and then being empowered enough to make the right decision for their plant collection based on their living circumstances. So that's what today's episode is dedicated to. It's not a generic winter plant care tips. 
It's this is what's happening in the winter. This is how it's affecting your houseplants. And this is what you have to do. And because I wanted to be organized, I summed it up into four different tips and bullet points. (laughs) So before we dive into the four different tips, I want to talk about dormancy. There's a lot of fake news circling the internet about dormancy and houseplants. Did you know that most of your houseplants are not going to go dormant in winter? However, they might experience one of my new favorite words, quiescence, a quieting. So dormancy and quiescence have a lot of similarities. It's plants pulling back in the winter. But dormancy is what you think of when you, you know, see deciduous trees that drop all their leaves in the winter. They like totally hibernate. They're alive, but they drop all their leaves. It's very dramatic. She's a diva about it to then kind of awaken again, like Sleeping Beauty style in in the spring. Because our houseplants are indoors and they're not experiencing the intensity of, you know, the outdoor winter conditions, that's not necessarily what they're going to do. But they might experience some quiescence, a quieting, an internal moment to just kind of slow down in response to the lower light levels outside and chill for a minute. And in that quiescence, because they're working a little bit slower, they might lose a leaf or two, but not all their leaves, right? They might shed a few leaves. They might look a little droopy at times, but that's okay. It's just slowing down. It's taking a nap. It's kind of mimicking the natural cycles indoors on a, on a, on a, with the volume turned down before revving up for spring again. So I want to kind of dispel that myth that our houseplants are going to go dormant. We have to like chop off all their leaves or our houseplants are mostly tropical plants that live on the rainforest floor. So they don't really go through a dormancy. So there are obviously some exceptions to the rule, but in general, I wouldn't worry too much about dormancy. However, you might see a quiescence and that's okay. And I think the winter and the change of seasons is always beautiful to like explore an inner quiescence in yourself, right? Like where can you quiet? Where can you kind of cozy up and and hibernate a little bit? Where can you stop pushing so hard, right? I'm a believer in plant life parallels. Obviously, I wrote a whole book on this topic. So We're going to do a lot of those in today's episode, especially around dormancy and quiescence, which I think are two examples of nature showing us how it's done and us humans should be taking notes. So with that being said, let's dive into the four things you must know about houseplants and winter. Number one, the light levels are going to change. In general, the light levels are going to diminish. In the winter, obviously, if you have been in a area that is experiencing four seasons, you're listening to this at the end of fall in the beginning of winter, you're noticing that the sun is setting earlier, the sun is rising later. The sun is setting at like five o'clock here where I live in upstate New York and it's devastating. I feel like I've been going to sleep at like seven o'clock at night because the sun sets so early. Anywho, So because the sun is out for a shorter period of time, there's literally just like less volume of light available to your houseplants, right? So that's number one. So the light levels will change. In general, they will diminish. Here's where things get interesting, plant friends. Remember when we talked about dormancy and we talked about deciduous trees? Your houseplants are inside on the other side of windows. So here is an exemption to that rule that I see touted all over the internet. If your houseplants are in a window that is in front of a tree that loses all of its leaves in the winter, your plants actually might have more light availability in the winter. And here's why. In the spring and summer, the tree has its leaves on it and the leaves provide shade for your windows, right? And so your plants are affected by that shade. All of a sudden, when the leaves aren't there, the sun can basically stream directly into your window. And so this is where your plants might even get burned, right? This is where plants that are getting bright and direct light are all of a sudden getting bright, direct light. 
So this is where understanding your home, your specific home's environment is so important for how any season is going to affect your plants, but particularly winter. So rule of thumb in general, less light in the winter, obviously, unless you've got deciduous trees that are dropping their leaves and then exposing more sun. So if you're in a place like me, where all of a sudden the sun is going down at four or five o'clock and coming up at, you know, 9 a.m. and your plants are whimpering, because if we remember, plants need light to do photosynthesis to make their food. So less light, they can make less food. So they're going to naturally have to slow down. There are a few things you can do to kind of support your plants in this winter season with the less light availability. Number one is to give your windows a good clean. I know that after the spring and summer, you know, your windows, they might be a little gunky. It's always good to clean your windows, you know, once a season. So it's good to clean your windows so that every speck of light that they could get, you know, that they could allow in for your houseplants is available to them. Number two, use grow lights. If you have highlight loving plants like ficus or I believe monstera is a highlight loving plant, variegated plants, right? Succulents, cacti, peperomia. If you have highlight loving plants and you're just not, your plants just aren't going to have the light availability that they need to thrive and you want to really support them, do grow lights. This is a great time to invest in grow lights. They are priced all across the spectrum, for lack of a better term. I just installed three of the Soltech Grove bar lights in the bookshelf behind my desk. If you're watching the video of this podcast, you will see the grow lights that are installed behind me because I wanted a shelf of plants in my podcasting studio. But you can buy grow lights that are simple grow bulbs that you just screw into any existing lamp that you have. You just swap them out with the normal bulb. You can buy a bar light like the ones that I have. You can buy a pendant style hanging light. All of my grow lights are Soltech solutions. Obviously, they've been a longtime sponsor of the show, but there are so many different options on Amazon. I think I have multiple Amazon storefronts with different grow light options, but there really is a grow light for every price point and every kind of configuration that you need. So you can just throw some grow lights on your plants for the winter. You can set them on a timer. It's super easy. And then you'll probably realize how happy your plants are under those grow lights and you'll keep them (laughs) through the spring and summer because they're a total game changer. All right. So that was number one. Number two, your houseplants are going to hate your heaters. (laughs) Your houseplants are not going to like it indoors (laughs) in the winter. And here's why. I've learned this lesson the hard way multiple different times. So I'm going to tell you a few different things that surprised me in the seven years, in the seven winters that I've cared for houseplants. So number one, let's think about our plants. They're living in the understory of the tropical rainforest where it is often 80% humidity and there is constantly moist soil, right? They're like cozy in the tropical jungle. They're living their best life in all that humidity. Now you take these plants and you put them in our home that has forced HVACs, right? Forced heaters. And that forced heat is getting pumped all throughout our house and drying the house out. I know that you've probably had your heat kick on one night and you wake up kind of like, (gasps) you know, you wake up like gasping for air so dry. Well, your plants don't like that either. And in the winter, not only do temperatures drop, but it tends to get very dry in our home. I know in my home in upstate New York, it will get as low as 14% humidity. That is so bad for humans. It's bad for birds. Frankie doesn't like it. So I humidify my office because of Frankie, but plants don't like that either. I mean, no one, that's not a healthy humidity for anyone. I have also found in my personal experience, I have baseboard heaters throughout my house in this house. And I find that I have to water my plants more in the winter than in the spring and summer because the baseboard heaters just like zaps all the moisture out of my plants. I have my plants in terracotta pots. So automatically that terracotta wicks But I think because the pots, even though I have them lifted off the ground to avoid being like parallel with the baseboard heater, 
the fact that those baseboard heaters kick on and they just blast the pots with heat and they dry out so much more. So sometimes I water my plants like the plants that I water once every week, maybe once every two weeks, I'm watering like twice a week in the winter time. And that's just because of the baseboard heaters. So once again, sometimes in these blogs, you see in the winter, reduce your watering. In the winter, if I reduced my watering, all my plants would die. All my plants would be underwatered. So different strokes for different folks, you know? So to handle the humidity issue, I'm going to be honest with you. Humidifiers are really only the only way you can create lasting humidity increase. I've tried everything, plant friends. I've done the pebble trays. I've done the spritzing. And for me, you know, the only way that I've consistently raised the humidity in my home multiple numbers is by using a humidifier. I have a humidifier that you can put essential oil in. I put thieves oil in it in the winter. It makes it feel so cozy and amazing. Once again, there are humidifiers on the market at every price point. But frankly, the funny part is I didn't do a humidifier for my plants. I did a humidifier for my bird because I noticed that he was scratching at his dry skin last winter because he was so uncomfortable because it was 14% humidity in my office. So now my office is the high humidity loving plant room and Frankie's room, my bird. You might be able to hear him chirping in the background. I have a humidifier that I run like 12 hours, probably 12 hours a day. And it increases the humidity in the room that has closed doors for the entire time. I don't have the capacity to humidify my entire house. I have friends that have whole home humidifiers that are tinkered and smart. And, you know, they kick on when it hits under a certain amount of humidity and they kick off when they hit their perfect humidity. With humidifiers, you can really like run the whole gamut of what's available to you. But in the winter, if humidity is a problem, if you have high humidity loving plants like ferns, alocasia, calathea, I'm going to strongly suggest you do a humidifier. Also, your skin and lungs are going to be so thankful. I don't know why I was so resistant. I feel so much better when I'm running it in my room. Another thing is to, I kind of mentioned this before, but be mindful to where your heat is coming from. And if you have accidentally put plants right next to where that heat is coming from. So if you live in a city, a lot of times you have those old school radiators that a lot of people put plants on. Many, many episodes ago, Chris Satch talked about he turned his radiator into a little plant shelf. He put wood on top of it. He had a bunch of orchids on it. The radiator kicked on. He didn't know it kicked on and all the orchids fried. Be mindful of your radiators. Be mindful of your baseboard heaters like I have. If you have hot air being blown in and you have a big fiddly fig tree next to it or something, like be mindful where the heat is coming from. And also in the winter, be mindful where the drafts are coming from. So this is just a bonus because the technical tip for this is your houseplants will hate your heaters. But also if you live in an old drafty house like I do, I have like a sliding door that just doesn't really close. It's it's super drafty. And um, I have to move my plants out of the kind of alleyway of that draft in the wintertime. And then I can move them back in the spring and summer. Thank you to our longtime supporter, Espoma Organic. Espoma is a family-owned and operated company dedicated to making safe indoor and outdoor gardening products for people, pets, and the planet. I've been planting all my houseplants and everything in my garden, basically, in Espoma for many, many years. As we enter seed starting season already, I highly recommend Espoma's seed starting mix, plant friends. I've been using it for multiple garden seasons to great success. A tip that I've learned through trial and error with seed starting mix is to pre-moisten the soil, pre-moisten the mix before you plant your seeds. So pre-moisten it in a bowl, put it in all of your like seed pods, whatever you're going to plant it up, and then put the seeds in the pre-moistened soil. Because what I have found is if you put the dry mix in, and this is for any really seed starting mix, 
If you put dry mix in, you put the seeds in at their correct depth and then water, sometimes the seeds will rise to the surface of the water and then your like beautiful spacing that you worked so hard on is totally ruined. (laughs) So pre-moisten, put your seeds in and you'll be blooming and growing in no time. And then once your little seedlings have grown and it's ready to put them outdoors, they have amazing outdoor garden products for outdoor gardeners, like their Biotone Starter Plus plant food. You put that in when you plant the plants up to help establish really strong roots. And then you'll follow up fertilizing with their different tone line of fertilizers like plant tone, garden tone, flower tone, bulb tone. They've got a tone for everything. To learn more about their organic indoor and outdoor products, you can visit espoma.com to see where your local Espoma dealers are, or you can click the link in the show notes to go to my curated Espoma favorites on my Amazon storefront. Holiday shopping is here, plant friends, and what better gift to give someone you love than a personalized Wind River wind chime. Plus, you don't need to leave the house while you shop. Wind River chimes will deliver the most magical, most thoughtful, personalized gift straight to your door. When you use the code GROWINGJOY at checkout with them at windriverchimes.com, you can get a free engraving on any of engravable wind chimes, so you can personalize it for your loved one with a special saying, a memorable date, or a name. For over 35 years, Wind River Chimes has been passionately pursuing harmony by delivering high-quality wind chimes that help create a peaceful, soothing, restful environment. We have two of them at our house. We are obsessed with them. Mama Fiella recently visited my house to take care of me after my surgery. She would not stop talking about the chime, and when she left, specifically requested one for Christmas for her house in Florida because she could not get over how amazing it sounded versus the other chimes that she already has. And hey, the holidays are stressful, and Wind River Chimes are really relaxing to listen to. So maybe you get one as a gift or maybe you just get one for yourself. A Wind River Chime is the perfect gift because every time the recipient hears the gorgeous chime singing in the wind, they're going to think of you and be gifted a moment of calm. Use the code GROWINGJOY at checkout at windriverchimes.com. Get a free engraving on any of the engravable chimes. That's windriverchimes.com and code GROWINGJOY at checkout for your free engraving. Once I saw Summer Rain Oaks recommend taping your windows. So you have super drafty windows. You can get like painter's tape or different types of sealing tape and you can actually seal the cracks in the window if you don't open them to help prevent drafts, which I think is really helpful. Because I think an issue that a lot of people struggle with in the winter is obviously we put our plants on our windowsills, right? Because it's the closest to the window, it's the closest to the sun. But then those plants get hit with drafts and then they get cold shock and they're limp, they're wilted, they're maybe dead, right? So if taping your windows is an option, that's another option if you're a heavy windowsill plant person. All right, moving on. Number three. I'm sorry to break it to you, but winter is the time that pests like to show up. I know. And here's why. Pests can, frankly, houseplant pests especially, can show up at any given moment. And like I said in our DIY houseplant first aid kit, it's not if, it's when you're going to get plant pests. You're not a bad person. You're not a bad plant parent. (laughs) Pests are just part of the game with caring for plants. You just got to be prepared for them. But here's the reason why they tend to show up more in the winter. Number one, the the dry humidity. Dry humidity, for some reason, allows for pests to show up more. But also, your plants are generally less happy because of the less light availability, because a lot of us don't really realize the plant is sitting next to a baseboard heater and all of a sudden it's unhappy. And when plants are unhappy, they kind of become vectors for pests. That's when pests will descend. Pests will descend on an unhappy plant more than they will descend on the happy plant, even though they will totally descend on your happy plants as well. But I have found personally my pest outbreaks happen in the winter, usually when my plants are kind of limping along. 
So the way to deal with this is obviously, number one, go back and listen to the DIY houseplant first aid kit episode. I have like a full list of what you should have on hand in case you do get a pest outbreak. I highly suggest being prepared, but also have a really good plant care routine. So in the winter, when you might be pulling back on watering, when you might be not having to care for your plants as much, it's easy to just kind of forget about them. But I think the winter is when you can kind of double down because we're all in this hibernating mode. Maybe we all want to do a little bit more self-care. Use a plant care self-care routine where you're not watering your plants every day, but you're taking mindful moments. It could be five minutes a day with your plants, checking in on them, looking at the undersides of their leaves, wiping their leaves clean. There's a list of things that you can do far beyond watering in my book for, I have a whole chapter on how to create a plant care self-care routine, but really double down on your routine in the wintertime so you can catch pests early. The biggest issue with pests isn't that you're going to get them. It's that you don't see them and then they multiply and then it's too hard to wrangle. They've taken over your entire collection, right? So be mindful. Be looking under the bottom of those leaves. Be looking for web webbing. Be looking for scale. Be looking for, you know, little red dots, spider mites. And we also have a whole episode on plant pests for you to help support you in how to identify and eradicate every single plant pest you could dream of. And the other thing is like, make sure your plants are as happy as they can be, right? Use this episode to kind of become a detective for your indoor environment in the winter and see, okay, do I need to add a little bit of light for my house plants? Do I need to get a humidifier? Is there a way that I can really help them get through the winter in order to support them thriving and then unfurling again in the spring and summer? Don't worry, pests are manageable. You just gotta be prepared for them. And then last but not least, fertilize when you see new growth. This is like the number one thing that I see on the internet that I don't agree with, plant friends. You know, the basic winter houseplant care is reduce your watering and reduce your and stop fertilizing. And for plants that are fully dormant, yes, I hear you. You should do that. But most of our houseplants aren't going dormant, right? Like I said, maybe they're experiencing quiescence. Maybe they're not because they're under grow lights or because they're in a sunny window and like they're doing fine and they're plants that don't really experience dormancy, right? So with fertilizer, I don't think if a plant is still growing, because if you have a plant under a grow light, it's really not going to experience the lack of light that would trigger a dormancy or quiescence, right? My rule of thumb with fertilizer is if you see new growth, fertilize the plant. Because if your plant is growing, give it a little boost of nutrition to help it grow. If you're seeing new growth, if you're seeing it bloom, support the plant with some good organic nutrients. If it's not growing, if it's experiencing a quiescence, if it's dropping leaves, you don't have to fertilize. I don't know. My personal fertilization practice is a little chaotic. When I'm good, when I'm on my fertilizing routine, I'm like fertilizing once a month, but I use a very gentle fertilizer. I use the Espoma liquid fertilizer that I just put into my watering can. And I try and just kind of give my plants a boost like once a month. But definitely if I'm seeing new growth, I'm not scared of fertilizing in the winter. And I don't think you should be either. And now I will get off my soapbox, plant friends. And if you don't agree with me, that is totally fine. This is a free world and you're allowed to think whatever you want. And if you don't want to fertilize your plants in the winter, go for it. But I'll be over here pouring my liquid fertilizer into my watering can (laughs) when my Monstera is unfurling new leaves. (sighs) P.S. Plant friends, I just got a Monstera Thai constellation from the Proven Winners Leaf Joy people. And oh my God, it's so fun. It's unfurling a new leaf. The constellation has been on my wish list for so long. It's been so fun having it and like gazing into its gorgeous variegation has been so amazing. Okay, so those are our four tips. 
or those are our four things you must know. The light levels are going to change. Observe them accordingly based off of your window exposure. Your houseplants will hate your heaters. Winter is a time for pests that like to show up and fertilize if you see new growth. I guess we didn't necessarily talk about watering. I think it's not a blanket scale back on your watering. Like I said, I'm watering more in the winter than I am in the summer. If your plant is dropping leaves, if your plant is slowing down, in general, don't water moist soil, right? So if your plant is needing less water, don't water it as much, right? But that's a sacred relationship between you and your plants that you should figure out. I wanted to give you one more bonus, and that is just a piece of advice from you to me. Don't freak out that much about dropping leaves. <laughs> like I mentioned, the quiescence, like in the winter, plants might just like slow down a little bit, and that's appropriate and normal. And if there's less light availability and they're able to make less food, plants are very smart and they will drop a few leaves because they will kind of intuitively know they're not going to be able to make enough food to sustain the plant. So one or two dropped leaves or one or two yellowing leaves, like that's okay in the winter. If it's a whole plant that yellows, yes, you have a problem. But an example is I have an alocasia that is dropping a few leaves, but I'm not really worrying about it. I will worry if it's more than three leaves dropping, but I'm not going to like stress too much about it if I don't have to. And that's just a permission slip that I want to give you because I feel like sometimes in the winter, it's really easy to get so stressed about your plants, but maybe we can just trust that they know what they're doing. As long as we're doing our best to give them light and water, <laughs> they can probably survive, right? But I've totally been there before where like my plant drops one leaf and I am in full panic mode, texting all my plant friends, being texting them photos, being like, oh my God, what do I do? So I totally see you. Another thing that I've started doing every winter, because once again, I live in New York, we have a dark, dark winter. If you get the like winter blues of like, my plants aren't growing, my plants aren't blooming, you know, and you need a spark of joy. I write about this in my book, Growing Joy, forest bulbs indoors. So in the Christmas season, you're going to see amaryllis and paperweights all over your grocery store, your garden center. They're potted up usually in soil or they're often in like glass vases with like pebbles at the bottom. You can buy them pre-potted. They sprout up and they bloom gorgeously, especially amaryllis. I'm obsessed with amaryllis. I'm always going to get them in December and I believe that's when this episode airs. But if you're listening to this episode after December, those plants are all on sale in January. You can get amaryllis, like huge amaryllis bulbs that are just about to pop for like $5 at the grocery store. So that's when I bring all of them home and I just surround myself with blooms. And I love in the winter when everything feels so much slower to put an amaryllis on my living room table. And when I have my coffee in the morning every day, like watching that plant just grow. They literally grow centimeters or inches every day. You go from like a little bulb with a little shoot to a blossom in maybe a week or two. It is so fun to watch. They come in so many fun varieties and I just freaking love it. And I love paperweights too. And I forgot that paperweights have such a beautiful smell as well. There's tons of different bulbs you can force. I have a whole chapter on it in my book. If you need support, you can also like YouTube, a million YouTube videos about it. But that's just a suggestion if if you do get the winter blues. And I'll leave you just with two other insights. Number one, like just because your plants are slowing down doesn't mean you have to slow down your plant care routine. Winter is an amazing time to double down on self-care, to double down on using plant care as self-care. Create a beautiful plant care, self-care routine. Create a gratitude practice rooted in your heart-shaped leaf plants. See all the plant life parallels you can in the beauty of dormancy and quiescence and lost leaves, all that juicy stuff. If anything I'm saying resonates with you, once again, wrote a whole book on this topic. It's filled with plant life parallels. 
And my last invitation to you, plant friends, is can you experience quiescence in your life? If your plants are slowing down, if your plants are having an internal quieting, can you use them as your mirror, as your teacher to have an internal quieting of your own this winter? Society has programmed us to rush, rush, rush through every season to constantly be in this quote unquote summer of life, right? Of abundance and harvest and all of this, you know, extreme push and tilling and work. But just like nature, just like mother nature, we need dormancy too. We need quiescence too. We need rest too. And we deserve it and we're worthy of it. And so, you know, as we go through this episode where we talk about how to prepare your plants for winter, maybe you can take a minute and think about how you can prepare yourself for winter. And I hope this episode was helpful. I am always here for you. You can find me at Growing Joy with Maria on all the socials. And until next time, my sweet plant friend, keep growing joy. Plant friend, thank you so much for tuning in today. If you like what you heard, make sure that you're subscribed to the show so you don't miss an episode. We have incredible episodes lined up in 2023, and I don't want you to miss one topic. And while you're subscribing, would you mind clicking over to the review section and leaving us a review? Reviews are tremendously helpful for the growth of the podcast, so I thank you in advance for helping this podcast reach as many planty earbuds as possible across the globe. If you're looking for more opportunities to grow as a plant parent with Growing Joy content, we've got a ton of free options for you. First, there's the Plant Parent Personality Test. It's so fun. It takes literally three minutes to complete. You take the test, you get your Plant Parent Personality Profile and a curated list of plants, projects, and podcast episodes that are right up your alley, tailored just for you, inspired by your results. The link is in the show notes. Make sure to let me know what your personality is after you take the test. If you're looking to uplevel your plant parent game, check out my website. We've got a bunch of free guides that you can download on topics like understanding natural light, which is actually a three-day worksheet, and nine ways to clean up your office if you need to bring a little bit of planty joy into your work life. And finally, I want to invite you to join the plantiest and kindest corner of the internet, my online garden society. It's both a web platform and an iOS and Android app. It allows our listeners to get together in an algorithm and troll-free online space to swap plant care tips, humble brag about plant wins, and get support when you have plant fails. We have monthly live planty show and tells on Zoom, which are so fun, and even have a living library of planty book recommendations sourced from our community. You can go to jointhegardensociety.com to grab your membership. And for anything else, plant friend, I am here for you. Feel free to drop me a line, whether you have an idea for an episode, an event, or maybe you're even a planty business interested in sponsoring the show. And of course, following me on Instagram and TikTok for daily planty silliness, musings, and tips is always recommended. You can find me across socials at Growing Joy with Maria. Thank you again so much for listening. It is truly my honor and life's delight to help you keep blooming and keep growing joy. Plant care is self-care on Growing Joy, the podcast. Make new plant friends, propagate knowledge, and grow some freaking joy. That's the motto of the Growing Joy Garden Society app and platform, otherwise known as the plantiest and kindest corner of the internet. If you've been an OG listener or a longtime listener, you might also know this app and platform as the Bloom and Grow Garden Party, but with the rebrand, we've rebranded it to the Growing Joy Garden Society. No trolls allowed, kind plant friends only. And if you haven't heard about the society yet, Plant Friend, you got to join. It's my online community that you can access via iOS or Android app 
or on your computer that I built to connect our international community of plant friends so we can all nerd out together about plants and celebrate our passion for our beloved plant babies. We have members literally all over the world. I'm so in love with this community of sweet plant friends. I can't say enough amazing things about them. But also there's a lot of really cool features about the app you might be interested in. There's dedicated hashtags to all sorts of different subsects of planty passions like houseplants, gardening, plant-inspired DIY projects, growing joy, plants and pets, and so many more. There's a plantrepreneur group, so if you're a planty entrepreneur and you want to connect with other planty entrepreneurs, you can join that group to connect and network. There's a plant swap section, plus the entire app, and this is my favorite part, is entirely searchable. So say you want to learn more about Hoya, you type the word Hoya into the search bar, and literally every post ever created about Hoya will pop up so you can click in, see what other people have been posting about Hoya and learn on your own and crowdsource hair information. It's so cool. But last but not least, it's an amazing way to support the show. Your monthly membership not only goes to sustaining the platform, but it also supports my team of editors, writers, and a community manager that help the world of Bloom and Grow keep growing. So come join us. All you got to do is go to jointhegardensociety.com and sign up for the community plan. Once again, you go to jointhegardensociety.com and click Click the community plan. Hot take plant friends. There is no one right starter plant. There, I said it. And you know what? While I'm at it, there are also no real plant killers in the world. There are just people who have not figured out their right plants for their lifestyle. This is why I created the free Plant Parent Personality Test, because Plant Friend, I want you to get thriving alongside your houseplants as quickly as possible, so I made this cutie little Plant Parent Personality Quiz that's totally free for you on my website to take the guesswork out of building your plant collection effortlessly and joyfully. After speaking to thousands of members in our community, I realized that there are about five key plant parent personalities, each one with their unique set of strengths, weaknesses, and a unique set of plants that thrive under their care. For example, a mindful plant parent, someone who wants to engage with their plants daily, use them in their morning routines. If someone gifted that plant parent a succulent and they watered it every day, that succulent would die immediately. However... That drought-resistant succulent is a perfect match for a low-key plant parent, which is someone who travels, has kids, is busy, doesn't have time to engage with their plants every day. They're looking to engage with their plants more like once a week or once every couple of weeks. In addition, obviously, to understanding your light and basic plant care that we provide on this podcast, Happy Plant Parenthood is all about discovering your personality and then picking the right house plants to go with it. It's that simple. No more stressing over your collection. So what plant parent personality type are you, plant friend? All you got to do to find out is take my free quiz on my website and let me know. You can access it at growingjoywithmaria.com slash personality. After taking the test, you'll get an email with a list of plants, podcast episodes, and planty projects that I think would light you specifically up like a full spectrum grow light. So once again, that's growingjoywithmaria.com slash personality for your free plant parent personality test results. Mm-hmm. 